and also um, in the Ozzy and Harriet show, in an episode, they were uh, besieged by uh, trick-or-treaters. And then, like, viciously beaten and left. Yeah, so that was the last episode, as they yeah. were. My grandparents used to talk about how they never found out what became of Ozzy and Harriet after Halloween. Yeah. You know, the movie The Strangers is, is actually based on that episode of, of Ozzy and Harriet, where they're brutally... Where they were brutally murdered by uh, by, by people in masks. Welcome back to the Trilateral Troika. This is Steve. Hey. Along with the other Steve. Hey. And Ryan. I've spent 46 hours putting together my PC, and I've just now, within the last, it's 420, within the last 25 minutes, have finally got it working the way I want. <laughs> Jesus, 46 hours. That's 46 hours, three trips to Best Buy, and like six different just kind of stop, break it all down, and try again. It's it, It's been a journey, but we, we've made it, so cheers. 46 hours is like, in the cosplay community, like... They'll ask the cosplayer how long it took to put their costume together, and they'll be like, oh, it was about 700 hours. And it's like, <laughs> excuse me? 700 hours? Are you counting the time you thought about it, too? Jesus. People can run ultra marathons in the time it just took me to put this fucking PC together. <laughs> <laughs> but it works. It's all that matters. I'm very happy about that. Now you can play the game Audacity. Now I can play Minecraft at 144 hertz and 60 FPS. <laughs> <laughs> These pixelated blocks look amazing. You can so enjoy real. the ray tracing in Minecraft. It's so real. And oh, my yeah, CPU's icy cold. Uh, Speaking of ray tracing, though. So today, boys, we're going to be talking about the, the tradition of trick-or-treating and where it comes from and a similar phenomenon that, that exists in, uh, famously in one of one of America's formerly great cities. For me, trick or treating started in Trenton, New Jersey. <laughs> Wait, formerly great cities, uh, Cincinnati. No, a little north. Cleveland. Farther north. Detroit. Yes. <gasps> really? Um. So uh, a lot of um, sort of the modern custom of trick or treating, um, the, it's sort of a thing that's existed within, uh, like. Uh, European societies since uh, since the classical period. Um, in ancient Greece, the writer um, Athenaeus of Necrotus, um, in his book um, the Dio um, the Diapnosophis, um, he wrote about a tradition in the island of Rhodes where local children would go door to door dressed as swallows and they would sing a song and then demand the owners of the house um, give them uh, food. Or threatened to cause mischief if the owners of the yeah. house refused. I'm gonna break bur- your fucking will, kneecaps if you I will don't, bird you shit all over it. your house. Um, and this was said to be uh, started by the uh, by the by the the lawgiver from Rhodes, um, uh, Cleobulus. Good old Cleobulus. <laughs> um, and then from the Middle it. Ages as well, um, within uh, uh, Britain and Ireland. There was a, a tradition of, of mumming, um, which um, yeah, involves which involved people going door to door in costume, uh, performing uh, short scenes or, or different parts of plays in exchange for food or drink. The Philadelphia still has the uh, the mummers parade every year. Really? Yeah, yeah, they're fucking nuts. And and it's believed that the uh, that trick or treating became associated with Halloween in the belief that uh, supernatural beings. Um, or the souls of the dead would roam the earth, um, and they needed to be appeased by the living um, right. to placate them. That's, That's correct. Great. I love that. Real. 100% accurate. Actual happenings. <laughs> Give me Reese's Cups, or I will fucking get all these souls to just haunt you for the rest of eternity. <laughs> <laughs> full size uh, Cups, none of those Reese's Miniatures bullshits. Full bars. <laughs> yeah, I want I want that. You got to go down. Uh, when I first moved down here, I went trick-or-treating with our niece, um, my my wife's niece. I guess it's my niece now. It is your niece. Uh, and uh, it wasn't at the time, but the uh, we went to some neighborhood in Florida, and I had never seen this in New Jersey. 
and they were giving out full fucking candy bars, like huge amounts of candy. Just it was a very there was a bounce castle in the neighborhood, like during trick or treat. It was nuts. They had full candy bars sitting on the porch. Just nobody was even watching it. Um, and just then like the complete walk up. opposite of that anecdote, uh, when I went trick or treating really young, and I remember being with like my friends and their brothers and stuff like that, uh, this lady was handing out pennies and nickels. Oh yeah, I've had that before. <laughs> just like, handing out nickels shit? and quarters and shit, and it was like no. not even quarters. It was pennies and nickels. We went through at the end of the night and looked. That's teach when the, her. I'll uh, teach these kids. That's when her window got shattered by a rain of uh, nickels and quarters. <laughs> <laughs> not even quarters, nickels and. Dimes. No, uh, she gets hundreds of plastic forks jammed into her lawn and broken off at the hilt, so you can't mow that bitch. I mean, I would never. What the hell is that? That's a freaking crazy re- revenge. You never heard of that one? You just put no. like, those plastic, you use like those little white plastic forks, and you just jam them into the lawn and break them off about half. No. So now a... <clears throat> you can't no. mow. The lawn. You can mow the lawn, but it's gonna fuck up and hit all those plastic forks as you do it. It's just it the, is most the most ridiculous un- thing. It doesn't hurt anything. It's just fucking annoying as shit. It sounds like it would take forever. That's why you get like six people to put them in. So the That's one what you do is everyone goes to, to Wawa. Six times as long. <laughs> everyone goes to Wawa and on the way out, they fill their bag with the free forks. <laughs> and then they go over. There was a there was a, a cashier that refused and when you're to doing sell it, me and my buddy run away. And you say, fork you, lady. Albertson's cashier was like, I'm not selling either one of you eggs tonight. You're out of your mind. And I'm like, why? Because <laughs> you got three dozen on the conveyor belt. I'm not selling you eggs on Halloween. Oh, my God. <laughs> See, that's what I mean. That's what, that's like the pharmacist getting involved in your prescriptions. You know, that's bullshit. Oh, sell yeah. me the eggs. Yeah, this is capitalism. Fuck you. Give me the eggs or your house is next. You're hurting the <laughs> bottom line over here. Where's your the boss? The free market. I demand to speak to the manager. I don't give a shit. You don't give me eggs, I find out where you live. And What's this employee's address? <laughs> 7-Eleven will sell you eggs, though. That's what I'll find out. If they sell eggs, 7-Eleven will sell you eggs. Yeah, some of them do. The little six-packs. Mm-hmm. So, uh, a lot of trick-or-treating tradition that we have um, in, in the United States, which sort of went out to elsewhere, um, and, and also sort of the, the holiday of Halloween, is very closely associated with the Celtic festival of, um, of uh, Sawain or, or Samhain. Um, I, I believe in, in in Gaelic it's pronounced like Sawain. Sawain. Okay. Sawain. Um, but this this festival, which was normally held around um, October thirty first and November first, uh, would mark the beginning of winter in Ireland um, and in um, Scotland and the Isle of Man, um, and it was referred to as uh, Cowan uh, Gaeaf in um, Wales, Cornwall, and Brittany. Okay. Um, so originally, it's a it's a pre Christian uh, festival, but in the ninth century, the Catholic Church uh, made November first All Saints Day. Mm-hmm. Um, and and this is because uh, this time period within Celtic cultures was seen as being a, a a liminal time period in which the the veil between the lands of the uh, of the spirits or the fae um, or, or and the dead would would sort of be diminished, and they could come into the world. And they would have to be appeased with offerings of food or drink. So what are fays? <laughs> are those fairies? Like like fairies, like so, sort of like weird creatures that dwell within um, the wild places. Okay. <laughs> and there were um, similar beliefs and customs in other parts of Europe. Um, and it's believed that uh, trick-or-treating um, sort of uh, evolved from this as a tradition of people going um, door-to-door impersonating spirits... Um, and receiving offerings on their behalf. Okay. Um, a, a scholar, um, S.V. Petal, suggests that um, that it, it was also could possibly be also that the uh, the spirits of winter um, who would demand uh, a sort of like a reward um, in exchange for uh, good fortune in the coming uh, um, like winter harvest? period. Well, no, this is post harvest, so so sort of like that you survive the winter. Ah, I see what you're saying. All right, I'm picking up what you're stepping down, what you're throwing down. Um, and, and it was also believed, too, that in person, the spirits would also allow you to protect yourself from them by by sort of, like, blending in with them. Yeah, because they're stupid. They don't know that you're a human being dressing up like them. Yeah. That's the thing about spirits. They're dumb. <laughs> so, you're, so you're just the guy at the spirit party in the corner. 
Like no one, no one here realizes I'm not actually a spirit. <laughs> Day three, no one has noticed. <laughs> I am not a ghost. <laughs> um, and, and among Christians, as far back as the 15th century, um, there was a custom of of sharing uh, what were called souls cakes on um, All Hollow Tide, which was from the period of October 31st through November 2nd. Um, wait, and, and this wait, is what, what kind of cakes are we talking about now? I think they're just like probably like very uh, very like standard like like sort of like cakes. I, I don't think Extremely they were too fancy, cumbersome, heavy cakes, <laughs> just filled with souls. Okay. Yes, nope. you got to kill at least six people to get these cakes to bake, Fair. or they won't rise. Understandable. <laughs> um. So people would go door to door, uh, and and they would give these uh, soul cakes as representatives of the dead, um, or in return for praying for um, the dead. Um, and and later, lot, it is, it is cakes. Are they just trading each other the same type of cake like yes. over and over? It's not yes. a lot of variability there. Well, well, I think they're just like little like 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 donut size cakes. I don't uh, think they're like okay. I, I, I don't think you. they're getting a full cake out of this each person. Yep, I got you. They're they're not Lex Luthor over here stealing like sixty three cakes or whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's terrible. And I just want to be clear: these are not like tiered, like three tier cakes, like wedding cakes, or anything. <laughs> yeah. like public sheet cakes. Because that will just yes, they're just some public sheet <laughs> just cakes. upset French like uh, maitre d's just walking around with three tier cakes on Halloween all everywhere. Okay. bleu. <laughs> I'm going to appease so many spirit. Um, so, uh, it is said that, uh, people went from parish to parish at Halloween, begging soul cakes by singing under the windows, um, some such verse as this, soul, souls, for a soul cake, pray you good mistress, a soul cake. Um, and they would, uh, they would typically ask for, uh, mercy on all Christian souls for a soul cake. Um, and this is known as, a uh, souling, and it was also recorded in, uh, Britain, Flanders, uh, Southern Germany, and Austria. Calling it souling is the most British thing ever. Um, Shakespeare mentions the practice in this comedy, The Two Gentlemen of Verona, um, uh, with the, uh, with, when, uh, when the character Speed accuses his master of uh, uh, puling, which, which means to whimper or whine like a beggar at Hollow Moss. Ah, okay. um, and a lot of the way, too, you have to remember that this is also kind of a way uh, for the, uh, the poor um, to, to get sort of fed. Right. Um, so, so it also has that aspect of, of sort of like Boxing Day, where it's just sort of like they're they're going to the uh, the homes of like wealthier people who can afford to to do this. Okay. Just one once a year they feed the homeless. Yes. Um, well, uh, actually, in in the we're Christian, in in sort of the Middle Ages, um, there were a lot of like feasts where um, we're, we're sort of usually like the nobility were were sort of obligated. To allow their their serfs and oftentimes to provide food for them on, on certain days of the year, um, so so it's one of those things where like uh, people who worked like in the Middle Ages probably got more days off than than most people do in uh, modern uh, civilization because there's so many like feast days. Okay. Because like when they when they talk about like Catholic feast days or whatever, like like people joke about it today because because there's so many of them and it doesn't really like matter because because no one does anything for them like ninety percent of the time. But if you were a like medieval peasant who lived in a, a Catholic area, um, you would usually get a lot of those like saint days off. Yep. Yeah, I had a neighbor that used to go to like every single one of those things, like do novenas and every single feast day. Fucking loony. That's interesting. Um, I've, I've never heard of those before. Um, the- well, like he said, I mean, it's not it's not actually a popular thing anymore like if it was a largely catholic society then yeah you could see it happening but Mm. if it's not it just it is what it is kind of thing um so largely within um the the sort of uh celebration of hollow mass there began to be what was called uh guising or the wearing of costumes um and it was first recorded in scotland in the 16th century um and was later recorded elsewhere in in britain and ireland um, so there, there are um, there are also many references to mumming, guising, or souling on Halloween in in Britain and Ireland uh, during the 18th and 19th centuries. 
Um, in, in parts of uh, Southern Ireland, a man would dress as uh, Lair Bon, the white mare, and led youths from house to house reciting verses, uh, some of which had uh, pagan overtones in exchange for food. I must say, what kind of verses? I, I don't have any examples. Uh, not like examples, but you know, like what kind of verses? Like, was he uh, like preaching? Was he just kind of? Like, well, well, no, he's stories? just sort of like 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 singing or rhyming. Um, okay. Um, if if a household donated food, um, it would expect uh, good fortune from the uh, uh, makola. Um, but if they refused to do so, it was said that it would bring them misfortune. Mm-hmm. Um, in in Scotland, um, young people would go house to house uh, in white and masked, uh, painted or blackened faces, uh, reciting rhymes and often threatening to do mischief if they were not welcomed. Mm. Really? Um, and um, and also in Wales, uh, peasant men went house to house dressed as a fearsome being called a uh, a guarachod, um, uh, or presenting themselves as the uh, Senharan e uh, Meru. Um, which was a representative of the dead. If it's Welsh, don't even try. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure that even though it's transliterated that way, it has no basis on the actual pronunciation of it <laughs> yeah, in, in English. It's fucking impossible. You have to you have to like study it for like six months just how to pronounce it. Um, and in um, and in Western England, um, mostly in in the counties that were around Wales, uh, soling was common. Um, and, and the um, and according to a 19th century English writer, um, parties of children dressed up in fantastic costume went round to the farmhouses and cottages singing a song and begging for cakes, um, apples, money, or anything that the good wives would give them. Otherwise, they threatened to harm the farm. <laughs> <laughs> well, it... It doesn't really talk about that in these instances, but but later on when we do get to it, it does get to like a very real like, like like threats of violence. Oh man, um, a a contemporary account of guising at Halloween in Scotland was recorded in 1895, uh, where the uh, masqueraders uh, carried lanterns uh, made out of uh, scooped out turnips, um, and they would visit homes to be rewarded with cakes, fruit, and money. Who the fuck decided to scoop out a turnip? (laughs) Would you call me? Called you a scooped out turnip, bitch. <laughs> that does sound like a British, like a British, like approbation. Just you know, yeah. you scooped out turnip. <laughs> well, we have to remember too, um, because uh, during that time period, I, I don't know how prevalent pumpkins would be in the in the United Kingdom, because um, you have to remember the pumpkin is a is a new world, um, yeah, uh, vegetable or, or squash. It yeah. is. It is not a. Um, it is not an old world um, uh, vegetable or squash. I, I believe squashes are vegetables, um, or I think technically it's a tuber, possibly. Um, but any, anyways, they weren't that as common. Um, so that's probably why they used turnips because they were probably like plentiful and you know cheap. Right. Um, the earliest uh, recorded uh, occurrence of uh, guising in North America on Halloween was in 1911 which was uh, recorded in a newspaper in Kingston, Ontario, um, which reported of children uh, going guising around a neighborhood. Mm. Um, the, the first uh, American historian um, uh, to write on, um, at, on length about the holiday in the U.S., uh, Ruth Edna Kelly um, of Massachusetts, um, she wrote the book of Halloween in 1919 um, and references souling in the chapter uh, Halloween in America. So is this uh, the first time that we've heard the actual words Halloween or no? Uh, it, it's it, it sort of came into um, a popular like occurrence, uh, but this is the first time that any like scholar has written about the, the holiday at length. Okay. Um, and she said, the taste of Halloween festivities now is to study old tradition and hold a scotch party using Burns' poems, uh, poem Halloween as a guide or to go uh, a soling as the English used in short. No custom that was once honored at Halloween is out of fashion now. Um, so it sort of becomes this amalgamation of different um, sort of traditions that were practiced in um, in sort of like uh, Great Britain and Ireland. Um, and uh, she had lived in uh, Wynn, Massachusetts, 
um, which was a town that was uh, predominantly Lin, of Lin, the city of sin. You'll never come out the way you went in. Of of primarily uh, Irish immigrants, where the, where the population at the time was had uh, forty five hundred Irish immigrants, nineteen hundred English immigrants, and seven hundred uh, Scottish immigrants in nineteen twenty. Um, and she also said Americans had fostered them and are making this an occasion something like what it must have been in its best days overseas. All Halloween costumes uh, customs in the United States are borrowed directly or adapted from those of other countries. I feel like if like it's a, a harmless thing, then a lot of times multiple cultures will just kind of come together, bridge the gap a little bit, especially in the United States. I'll see why not. Well, it, it, it also seems to have like sort of like a fad quality to it that, that people are spontaneously right. doing it. Um, yeah. So while uh, guising doesn't really appear um, uh, to be referenced in North America um, until 1911, um, there, um, there are other references to um, sort of like ritual begging um, appears um, around 1915 and in 1920 in Chicago. Yeah, I wrote some references to ritual begging that's occurring over at the corner of University and Goldenrod. That's <laughs> 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 <By> full sale. <laughs> Fucking the addicts out there, like, every day. It's ridiculous. Four o'clock. Um, usually when they say, uh, like, ritual begging, though, they mean, like, on a specific day of, like, the year. Yeah, this is specifically like specific every day. day. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> every every day is, uh, is, is every. a day for ritual begging when you live in Central Florida. Every day. Uh. Um, <laughs> the earliest uh, known use of the term trick-or-treat imprint appears in 1927, um, from uh, from a uh, periodical in uh, Blackie, Alberta. Um, and and they said Hol- Halloween provided an opportunity for real strenuous fun. No real damage was done except to the temper of some who had to hunt for wagon wheels, gates, wagons, barrels, etc., much of which decorated the front street. The youthful tormentors were at back door and front demanding edible plunder by the word trick-or-treat to which the inmates gladly responded and sent the robbers away rejoicing. All in good fun. Um, so, it's, so it's really building up on like sort of like the mischief aspect, um, which I guess like stealing wagon wheels and such and during that time period is, is the equivalent of like uh, toilet papering someone's lawn in, in 2020. I see it all the time on, on the Ring Neighbors app constantly. <laughs> Someone stole my fucking wagon wheels. It's not even Halloween. <laughs> these, <laughs> these ruffians have stolen my wagon wheel. They've absconded <laughs> with it. So suspicious. Uh, it's getting closer to home every year. <laughs> We're gonna. None of us are going to have wagon wheels. Come soon. <laughs> That's why you should arm yourself with a musket. <laughs> Uh, that's why I got my concealed carry. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my um, god! So at uh, the early at the early part of the 20th century, there's a big boom in uh, postcards. Like postcards become like a big like collecting uh, craze. That that sort of um, that sort of ended by World War One um, due to the majority of like the high quality postcards coming from Germany. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, with these uh, postcards, um, they, they commonly uh, would depict like you know people doing different things and children were often a focus of them, but they did not depict them trick or treating. Um, and and uh, because uh, one of the reasons for that is that it wasn't really it, it didn't really exist prior to 1920. Um, and um, and and it said it said of these um, of, of a review of 3,000 um, vintage Halloween postcards, there are cards which mention the custom of trick or treat. Um, trick-or-treating or show children in costumes at the doors but as far as we can tell they were printed later than the 1920s and more than likely even the 1930s uh tricksters of various sorts are shown on the early postcards but uh not the means of appeasing them um so uh trick-or-treating doesn't really become a widespread practice until the 1930s uh with the first appearance of the term um in the u.s um in 1932 and the first use of it in a national publication occurring in 1939 um, and, and one of the reasons for this is is that uh, American cities sought ways to sort of like standardize and um, like uh, I guess um, I, I wouldn't say corporatize, but but just sort of like take control of, of sort of the energy of Halloween um, because um, because a lot of like the 
the sort of like uh, mischief making that was going on was getting like way out of hand. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1936, VK Brown, uh, Chicago's director of recreation, uh, told the Chicago Tribune uh, before being um, that before being reined in by Apple bobbing uh, community parties and offers of free movie tickets, uh, Halloween was uh, quote unquote a wasted holiday. Um, and a lot of this came from fears of, of the underclass, um, especially, as you can imagine, um, on, on the heels of, like, the Great Depression, um, that um, uh, historian uh, David J. Skull, author of Halloween, the History of America's Darkest Holiday, um, in a way, the New Deal was the equivalent of handing out candy to avoid the trick of social unrest. Um, so basically, like, so basically, they're just being like, hey, we're going to give you candy to get you to shut the fuck up. Well, well, yeah, and, and just sort of give them, like, uh, activities to do that that harnesses their energy instead of them, you know, like, going on a rampage. Because, um, for <laughs> so instance... They're, in, so, they're, so they're negotiating with, the bar, they're negotiating with terrorists then. Okay. <laughs> well, well this, is the, this is like the, uh, the 30s equivalent of, like, the, the lock-in at the rec center. Okay. The what? So, like, like, getting kids off the street. Like, like yeah, we're going to be playing midnight basketball at the rec center. You kids should come out there instead of, uh, you know... I see. Yeah. Um, and in New York, um, uh, originally, um, uh, uh, Thanksgiving um, had been the had been the holiday that was associated with uh, children going to door to door begging. Um, and, and this had been up until um, the the Macy's Day um, Thanksgiving parade uh, uh, grew to be like the biggest spectacle in the city uh, around Thanksgiving. And so because of that sort of curtailed uh, trick or treating on Thanksgiving in New York. Mm. Oh, shit. That sucks. Um. And uh, a, a sort of like a lifestyle, um, like like crafting book uh, called uh, 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 Bogey Books. Um, they suggested different ideas uh, for how to like uh, quote unquote civilize um, uh, different uh, holidays um, and make them more like mainstream and acceptable. Um, and Halloween was one. Okay. Um, and and one of this um, was uh, they they got uh, to add to the holiday. Was they borrowed from uh, New York shopkeepers who were paying uh, different uh, rowdy revelers um, a, a protection, like sort of racket, to to like leave their shop alone in the form of treats, um, because a lot of the early holiday is associated with like vandalism. Um, in, in 1934, in Connecticut, a 14-year-old boy was beaten to death at a Halloween party, um, and that same year, an eight-year-old Chicago wow, they boy vandalized the shit out of him, huh? Uh, <laughs> wa- watching a uh, a bonfire of stolen gates. Uh, was killed by trick or treaters. Bonfire of stolen gates. Damn! Did it just? I'm t- oh man! Good lord, dude! They got serious about their York peppermint patties back then. And it is late as um, 1964 as well. Um, in, in New York, trick or treaters destroyed the studio of an artist, um, Andrew uh, Wyatt. Um, yep. And um, and uh, as as trick or treating though, as as we know it today, became more and more. Uh, common um, and, and more familiar uh, to, as, to us uh, that violence on Halloween began to uh, go down. Because, uh, like like I said, um, uh, Thanksgiving originally in, in New York was sort of like this uh, begging holiday. Um, and, and soon after Thanksgiving was created in, in the 1860s, in 1870, um, and until the 1930s, um, uh, Thanksgiving uh, was also known as Ragamuffin Day in New York. <laughs> Um, it, it involves sort of like uh, children dressing up in costumes and, and going door to door asking for treats. Thanksgiving? That's hilarious. Yes. And, and by the 1950s, this tradition like completely disappeared. Um, huh. and, and this is and this is largely because uh, a lot of this was sort of transposed onto like Halloween. All of the um, and, and all of the use uh, pre-1940 of, of the term uh, trick or treat in, in sort of like the popular lexicon only existed within the United States and Canada. Um, and uh, trick-or-treating in the 1930s sort of takes off in the United States, but it sort of falls off by the 1940s uh, due to sugar rationing during World War II, uh, which began in April of 1942 and lasted until June of 1947. Right. That makes sense. Um, and uh, sort of the uh, giving national attention to uh, trick-or-treating uh, began in October um, in 1947, um, such as um, can be seen in um, an issue of that year of the magazine Jack and Jill, um, and it had um, just different um, 
uh, Halloween like traditions and activities for students to do, um, as well as in the radio program um, that that were broadcast, such as uh, the Baby Snooks show in 1946 and the Jack Benny show and the Adventures of Ozzie and Harriet in 1948. The Baby Snooky show broadcast yes. from Weehawken, New Jersey. <laughs> Um, and uh, trick-or-treating was also depicted in a Peanuts comic in 1951. Um, and it had become a, a firm part of American popular culture by 1952 uh, when Walt Disney uh, portrayed it in a cartoon titled Trick-or-Treat. Um, and also um, in the Ozzie and Harriet show, in an episode, they were uh, besieged by uh, trick-or-treaters. And then, like, viciously beaten and left. Yeah, so that was the last episode as they yeah. were... My grandparents used to talk about how they we never found out what became of Ozzy and Harriet after Halloween. Yeah. You know the movie The Strangers is, is actually based on that episode of, of Ozzy and Harriet where they're I thought a brutally was a sex move. Where they were brutally murdered by uh, uh by, by people in masks. Let's not talk about sitting on your hand, all right. I oh, see that's what I was talking about. <laughs> it goes numb, you know. Well that's a treat in and of itself. Trick or treat. Oh, oh, oh. It's a trick and then a treat. <laughs> In, in 1953, uh, uh, UNICEF would conduct a national campaign for children to raise funds uh, for charity while trick-or-treating. Okay. Uh, so, uh, while there is uh, sort of like this popular history of Halloween... Wait, um, why did you say that? What? It just sounded like you just kind of dropped that in there about UNICEF. Well, I'm saying that, that they had a campaign in 1953 as sort of like... When when we can sort of say that trick or treating was like taking off. Oh, okay. So it's kind of like a historical like a point. Yeah, within okay. the historical okay. record. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. Um, and and although um, some argue that even though popular histories of Halloween um, sort of uh, categorize trick or treating as an adult invention to rechannel uh, Halloween activities away from uh, mischief nights, um, there there are very few um, um, there are very few records to support this. Um, uh, Des Moines, Iowa is the only area that has a record of trick-or-treating being used to deter crime. Des Moines. Oh, no, it's Chicago. Dub Bears. <laughs> um, and, and also, too, uh, from the mid-1930s to the mid-1950s, um, there, there are also sort of like op-eds from adults raging at the custom, um, seeing it as a form of extortion, you know, not wanting to give out uh, candy to children. That's fair. Um, and, and also, too, uh, children would often have to explain early on what trick-or-treating was um, to uh, puzzled adults and not the other way around. Hmm. Um, and, and sometimes, too, uh, in, in the Halloween of 1948, uh, members of the Madison Square uh, Boys Club in New York City, uh, they carried a parade banner that read, American Boys Don't Beg. Oh, my God. Wow. Okay, Sure. Um, it, the National Confectioners, Associ- uh, Confectioners Association reported in 2005 that 80% of adults in the United States plan to give out confectionery um, to trick-or-treaters, and that 93% of children, teenagers, and young adults plan to go trick-or-treating or participating in other Halloween activities. I mean, like, when we were growing up, because I went to Catholic school, K-8, through and, uh, you know, every year it was like a new thing about Halloween. Like we couldn't have certain costumes in school and then they weren't going to do anything for it and they weren't going to give stuff out. And it was like, it was like always some like, like uh, group pushing up against it. So it's kind of weird to hear about like culture at large, uh, almost like Fox newsing Halloween in mm-hmm. the forties. It, it, but yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's boys been around. don't beg in America. Yeah. It's been around since the beginning of fucking forever. You know that. What a stupid baby dick argument. Why do I feel like uh, what? Are, what the fuck is her, is her name? Uh, Phyllis Schlaff. Phyllis. Phyllis uh, Schlafferly. Why do I feel like Schlafferty? she's gonna come up in this? I don't know. Who uh, that is. She doesn't come up. She's like. She she's essentially the the mother of like the anti like the anti women's right movement and she opposed like the equal rights amendment and she Ugh. she she's also like the pretty much the mother of the modern anti abortion movement because like she, because Jesus. it's because she, she's it, like queen of bad looks yes. yeah she's she's <laughs> awful and and essentially until that un, until uh, desegregation. Uh, ran its course, and that a lot of um, entities were like forced by the federal government to desegregate. 
um, mainly religious schools like um, like Brigham Young University and like uh, Liberty University were forced to integrate um, because before then their their big like hobble horse was um, what was that um, was segregation and how they wanted to be segregated and that they believed that was the right and after that like the right was robbed of something and um, and and Schlafly came up and she gave uh, abortion as the thing to fight for because before then like the Baptist Church and like all these like like no Protestant religious group really cared about abortion. The the only group the only group that consistently cared about abortion and made it like a big point was the Catholic Church. And, and before she like popped up and before like um, segregation was essentially eliminated and like unpalatable to voters, um, they glommed onto that. She is the kind of person that would hate Halloween. Just just a rotten to her core. Awful that's, woman. Awful. That's definitely what's, what's, a shitty hobby horse to have. What's What's obviously socialism because these children are getting handouts. Bro, literally. listen, listen. When they, when Don Jr. did that shit to his kids, I was like, "You're a disgusting person. Your kids are children. They're children. Like, let them enjoy candy well, on Halloween. Stop trying to shove. Stop trying to make everything about politics, bro. Like, it's so gross, man. It's so bad. That's pretty bad. Um, so while trick or treating becomes a common um, becomes like a common phrase in North America, it doesn't really catch on in like the United Kingdom um, and elsewhere um, until uh, the 1980s um, due to the release of the film E.T. Really? Yes. Um, so because um, uh, because, you know, guising requires you to go door to door and actually like perform um, without a threat. Um, and according to a BBC journalist in the 1980s, um, that, that trick-or-treat was still often viewed as an exotic and not particularly welcome import, um, and the BBC referred to it as the Japanese knotweed of festivals and making demands with menaces. Um, and, and Japanese knotweed is kind of like kudzu. It's like an invasive, like, destructive species of plant. So, like, menacing people? Well, well yeah, because remember, that's, like, the, the onus of, like, the trick. Oh, yeah, like, okay. like Like, we don't think about it, but they, the roots of it is, like, like you're gonna give us candy, or we're gonna like trash, like literally trash your house. Right, or I'm gonna throw <laughs> shit on your lawn. Right? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm it. gonna burn down your house. I love it. Um, and in Ireland, the phrase "trick or treat" uh, became common in the 2000s, um, and before that, um, children would say, uh, "Help the Halloween party." Um, There's no threat there. It's no implied yeah. violence. How? I mean, what do you expect them to give you? Um. Advice. And and sort of like in the um in in the American sense of like the modern term as well, um the the phrase is just simply said and um the revelers are given um given sweets. They they don't have to perform for them like they do in in the United States. Okay. And and they're like sort of like like even today, like there isn't really like the the choice of the trick, like you know, like I mean, like if it you're really trick- is, because look, if I come to your door and I say, well, I'm in my 30s, so I wouldn't do this, but if I went to your door and said trick-or-treat and you hooked me up with full-size Snicker bars, I can guarantee you nothing will happen to your house that night. There will be no toilet paper. <laughs> but if you say trick, no I'm going to look I, at my boys behind me and be like, all right, boys, I'll be back with you in a minute. I got to turn this trick. <laughs> Ryan's going to be back to the house, you know, dressed like a guardian angel with his guys, you know, watching the... Him <laughs> and Curtis Lewa oh, just I was, ready I was, to beat I was, the I was shit out of people. I already my fishnets when you said trick. I was putting on my fishnets. <laughs> looking, looking in the bags, you know, inspecting them, making sure there's no eggs. <laughs> you guys got any eggs, huh? Huh? <laughs> Um, but in, in the city of Detroit, uh, since, uh, around the, the 1910s, um, having bonfires had been a Halloween tradition, um, in the city, um, at the, um, now it's an everyday thing <laughs> at the, um, at the former, uh, Detroit college of medicine, uh, they used to have uh, large bonfires in the streets and would even, uh, gift, um, cigars to the firefighters who arrived to, uh, put out those fires. Um, in 1935, the Detroit police, uh, police commissioner, um, Heinrich A. Pickert, um, he threatened uh, pranksters with jail time, stating, The starting of bonfires is a dangerous thing. The pulling of fire alarm boxes is a serious thing. The rubbing of soap on, sh- on 
show windows and doors or windows of automobiles or making scratches with sharp instruments on buildings are expensive tricks and those caught in such acts will be sent to the nearest station. And this was what he uh, told the Detroit uh, Free Press Mm -hmm. in 1935. Okay. Um, But eventually, um, the tradition of Devil's Night made its way to Detroit in the 1930s and 40s. Um, And and traditionally, um, young people from the city would engage in uh, mischief um, or uh, petty criminal behavior, uh, usually uh, minor uh, pranks or acts of mild vandalism, um, such as the aforementioned uh, soaping or waxing of windows and doors. Um, They would also egg houses and leave rotten vegetables or flaming bags of uh, of dog poop on stoops (laughs) and also uh, toilet papering trees and shrubs. Um, which which ultimately caused little or, or no property damage. Yeah, because, I mean, ideally, you're not supposed to actually damage people's property. Like, that is the biggest thing that, like, I feel people get wrong where they're like, oh, we're just going to go out and, like, break windows. Like, that's not what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to toilet paper them. You're supposed to do the forks and the lo- Like, you're supposed to do the things that are annoying to clean up. Just, you know, to be a little shithead once a year. Yeah. Um, but, but the city of Detroit, um, so... Detroit, for those who aren't aware, was in the 1960s one of the wealthiest cities in the United States. Um, that because it was the center of the American auto industry, which at that time was at its like uh, peak, um, t- Detroit was uh, expanding. Um, it had a large infrastructure, um, and um, and while it was like one of the richest cities in America, it did have a growing inequality as more and more um, African Americans uh, moved up to Detroit through the Great Migration to look for work in the automobile factories, um, and so through um, uh, de facto uh, segregation, not jure segregation um, in Detroit, um, sort of the massive amounts of inequality that happened in what was like one of the wealthiest cities in America, that this was seen as like a, a thing that needed to be dealt with. Um, Detroit itself in the 1960s was sort of a powder keg. And while the city had promised that they were actually going to like do reforms, they were they were going to work on things to make it better. Um, they never actually went through with that. What was wrong with it? I mean, aside from being fucking Detroit, um, just sort of like providing better services to like black neighborhoods, um, just just sort of like making sure that the uh, the city's wealth was evenly um, distributed, um, because Detroit was very much becoming like New York City became um, in the seventies. Where like the areas like like sort of like a lot of the neighborhoods that were predominantly like African American were, were just sort of being neglected, and the police themselves as well were especially brutal to African Americans. Hmm. Yeah, there was white flight and all that stuff. Yeah, the so Great Migration. Was, a lot of people went to Detroit during the Great Migration. But as as more and more uh, black people move into the city, um, uh, white people move out of the city. Um, and they move into the suburbs, and as they move into the suburbs, even though they're still within the same county, um, possibly technically still within the city, um, they don't want the money going to the inner city uh, where the, uh, the African Americans who have moved there are living. Um, and this culminates in the Detroit riots of 1967, um, which is just sort of like all of this coming to a head. Um, so what happens is is that there is a um, uh, the, the police, which is predominantly white, um, they raid a um, they raid a black after hours club that was hosting a party for uh, veterans returning from the Vietnam War. This is in um, the seventies. This is nineteen sixty seven. Jeez. Mm. Um, so as as they um, as as they sort of like come to arrest these guys who are just you know they they just come back from fighting in the war um, they just gotten home and the police are being especially like heavy handed. Um, this causes a riot to break out. Um, and it's it's believed that the first fire uh, set by rioters was at 6.30 a.m. on July 23rd, 1967. Um, and it's stated, by mid-morning, every policeman, fireman in Detroit was called to duty. On 12th Street, officers fought to control the unruly mob. Firemen were attacked as they tried to battle the flames. Um, this resulted in 1,400 buildings eventually being uh, burned down um, during this five-day uh, riot. Jesus Christ. And, and this is reported by the History Channel. Um, the so-called 12th Street Riot was the third worst riot in U.S. history, occurring during a period of fever pitch, racial strife, and numerous race riots across America. Owing the New York draft riots of 19, or 1863 um, and the Los Angeles riots of 1992 caused more destruction. Hmm. Um, after the riot, um, uh, President um, 
Lyndon Johnson um, uh, appointed a National Advisory Commission on Civil Disorders, uh, which was often uh, referred to as the Kerner Commission. Uh, the report comp- was Lyndon what? Johnson was Lyndon Johnson the president with the huge slong that used to like whip it yes. out in the bathroom and like try to make people yeah. like intimidated. LBJ, yeah, yeah, LBJ used to constantly whip his dong. He out, hanged on. Yeah, he would <laughs> he, he would hang dong. dong. Yeah, <laughs> yep. Um, so the report cited what the writers appeared to be seeking was a fuller participation in the social order and the material benefits enjoyed by the majority of American citizens. Rather than rejecting the American system, they were anxious to obtain a place for themselves in it. Um, which, which is honestly like, like sort of the summation of like all of the riots, even, even the uh, Black Lives Matter riots um, that happened um, uh, more recently. In, in that it, it's not about, you know, sort of like a hatred of the American system as a lot of, um, I would say, conservatives would, would categorize it as, but it's more the fact that the American system uh, has not allowed these people to participate in it. It is oftentimes preyed um, and benefited despite them. Right. That was the spirit. Um, so as early as the 1970s, uh, vandalism becomes more uh, becomes uh, more uh, prominent in the city as well as um, arson. Uh, and um, it, this mainly happened within the inner city and didn't really spread into the suburbs. Um, but sometimes they were also affected as well. Suburbs um, have had it too good for too long. And uh, they would have hundreds of acts of um, arson and vandalism every year. Um, and the uh, worst uh, act of vandalism happened in the 1980s when uh, when there were more than 800 fires set in 1984. Um, and these uh, and these would usually number in hundreds um, every subsequent year until uh, 2011. Um, Mask Magazine reported um, that uh, the, what what magazine Mask. The hell is that? Um, I believe it's like a um, like a local magazine. Oh, okay. So it's like really um, hyper local. But uh, they they say it, although 1983 is widely recognized as the official beginning of Devil's Nights because of the dramatic increase in dumpster fires, there is evidence to suggest that there was an already low level insurgency associated with Halloween dating back to at least 1979 wow. and conceivably to 1967 itself. Now in New Jersey, it's not Devil's Night; it's Mischief Night, and it's the day before Halloween. Yeah, I was gonna say that's on October thirtieth. That's my birthday. Yeah, because yeah, this this mostly takes place on the day before Halloween. Yep. Yeah, and we um, used to we used to like we weren't allowed out. It was so bad when we were kids that there was a curfew. Like it was like a seven o'clock curfew for kids. Like anyone under the age of eighteen was not supposed to be outside after uh, 8 o'clock at night or something like that. The day before Halloween. Um, so, it was, um, and, and they say it was only in 1984, uh, probably due to a combination of widespread media hype of the 1983 arsons and the World Series victory by the Detroit Tigers on October 31st, that there was a marked increase in building fires. Because um, remember, uh, 1984... The so Tigers the, winning anything in baseball is a good time to burn something down. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but that was the um, that was the most prominent uh, Devil's Night in terms of arson. Where um, oh yeah, I say fires. like we had a uh, curfew, but shit never happened. Like nothing ever fucking happened on Mischief Night. It was ridiculous. Everybody would like hype it up for months, and it would just be like nothing fucking nothing happened at all. I think when I was a kid too, we're talking about like the late '80s, early '90s, that they were. They were kind of just riding the coattails of what you're talking about now, Steve. Um, so even though that um, the the arsons is right there, that that it can be um, that that sort of like arson in Detroit has its like originating in, in sort of like the resistance to the 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, by the by the Devil's Night of 1984, it's more rooted in in like vandalism than actual like rebellion. Right, right. Um, it's just it's crazy violence. It's not no purpose really. But uh, at the height of this, the city created a task force um, that was set on sort of like reducing uh, fires and vandalism on Devil's Night. Um, in 1985, uh, the police and firefighters uh, coordinated to prevent um, arson on Devil's Night, and they reduced fires uh, to 479. Um, 479? <laughs> yeah, as opposed to over 800. So they cut it down to about uh, 60% or 40% of the fires down. That's a lot of fucking fires. 
Um, Where's so, that at? Uh, Detroit? Yeah, in Detroit. Um, now, how many so, of those fires were just people trying to stay fucking warm in Detroit? Well, well, you have to remember, this is still like, there, there's still some industry there. This is like the fall. Um, when, when like the auto industry is like leaving, it's, it's not like Detroit today where you can buy a house for like 400 bucks. Right. Um, and, and also too, in, in one of the fires, um, in, in 1985 as well, um, I, I believe a, a one-year-old girl was also uh, killed in the, in the fires. Way to ruin oh, the joke. Fuck. Thanks a lot, Steve. Um, but Jesus, uh, now I can't make any jokes for at least five minutes. <laughs> So in, in 1986, um, they had a dawn to dusk curfew was imposed um, on youths under the age of 17, while uh, 5,600 police and city employees and 5,000 local volunteers helped to patrol Detroit that night. Yep. Um, so uh, arson in Detroit had not declined uh, by the early 1990s, despite these efforts. Um so after an especially uh, brutal night in 1994, where there were 354 fires, uh, the, the then mayor of Detroit, Dennis Archer, um, uh, promised uh, city residents that arson would not be tolerated. Um, and uh, in 1995, uh, Detroit city officials organized and established Angels Night on and around um, October 29th uh, yes, through 31st. Angels Night. Yep. There it is. Um, and Definitely this is where... This. And this is what they describe the effort of having um, usually around as many as 50,000 volunteers to patrol the city looking for uh, people trying to commit arson. Uh, many of these volunteers would patrol with uh, magnetic uh, mounted uh, flashing amber beacons um, on their personal vehicles, um, along with uh, communicating with command centers over CB radios or by uh, cellular phones uh, to report any suspicious activities. Um, oh no! And cellular as phones, I mean, wait, 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 cellular phones. Are we talking about the eighties? Well, this is this is going into like today. Oh, okay, never mind. Sorry. Um, and and the number of of arsons has declined, which they attribute to um, the Angels Night volunteers. Um, and the uh, drop in fires uh, for the year uh, two thousand eight was also a credit to them. Um, and the same year as well, uh, thirty five thousand uh, signed up to volunteer in the city, according to uh, Daniel Cherin. Uh, a spokesperson for uh, then Detroit Mayor uh, Ken Crockrell Jr. Um, so, as a result of a lot of these efforts, um, to today, a lot of these uh, the the fires have decreased to a, uh, near ordinary levels. Um, in 2010, uh, the number of fires reported was um, increased to 169, which was a um, a 42 percent increase compared to the previous year. Um, <laughs> But years from them um, has seen a decline uh, to the low 90s, um, and the average of about uh, 32 fires per day is somewhat um, higher than the expected 26 uh, fires per day uh, through the year. What the fuck? What are the average fires per day in a city? Is there a place I can look this up? Like the average number? I mean, I know like Central Florida, at least East and West Orlando have a website you can go and kind of get an idea. But like thirty-two fires a day, like what constitutes a fire? That's fucking insane. I, I mean, I think it's like a it, building fire. It might be insane, but yeah, exactly. Is it a building fire or is it like you know, like a small brush fire? I, b- I believe it's a structure fire. Oh my god, <laughs> a lot of fucking burning, man. Jesus, thirty-two um, a day. Uh, Firefighters be tired as shit. Can't like, they bro, can't they shit. can't chill out on those leather leather couches? They're like, <laughs> and, I, can't, I can't do this anymore. Firefighters are actually going to be the only demographic that takes advantage of Facebook's uh, upcoming uh, VR, the Meta VR. They're not going to put fires out in <laughs> VR, bro. <laughs> they're they're no, they're going to be using the VR because oh. you know the joke is that they they get a ton of money and they just buy stupid shit for the firehouse. <laughs> just hang out party with their donations. I would say I respect firefighters because when they are working they're extremely important but like yeah that joke is still funny to me. Well it's funny because they because like because like I don't like the police like say like all they do is just they just sit around and work oh, out. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it's like can't stand and, it, and it's like yeah because you know they have to actually like be physically active and like like well, actually have to be fit to do their job unlike most cops that just like I, sit in their cars exactly. most of the time. And then, like, like, when they do have to go to action, they just, like, tase them. (laughs) I have, like, I have firefighters in my, in my family, and, uh, 
they are it most of them are pretty normal but like some of them are like have you ever seen backdraft that's what my day is like every day it's just like shut the fuck up <laughs> no it isn't you fucking asshole um and in 2015 they saw the lowest number recorded of fires which was only 52 fires recorded and only 24 could be considered possible arson well that's good um, so by by the 2010s, by the end of it, um, largely uh, Devil's Eye in Detroit has, has ceased to um, ceased to exist like it once did. Um, and I think a lot of that probably also has to do with the fact that not as many people live in Detroit, and the um, and the people that do live in Detroit, like like it's something like 30, 30 some percent of the population of Detroit lives below the poverty level. Yeah, it's it's bad. Bro, you can I buy was, a house in Detroit for like well, what you get out of a Cracker Jack box, which is I was in Detroit. Awesome. I was in Detroit for the, uh, was it when the Steelers won the Super Bowl against the Seahawks, 2005, 2007, somewhere around there, and, uh, yeah, <laughs> wow, it was scary. But there's a there's a new horror movie, which which I won't really, like, go into detail about, because it's a movie you really should go into seeing blind called uh, Barbarian, um, and it I've takes place that. in Detroit. Yeah, I've seen that around. And it, and it takes place in Detroit. And like part of the horror is just that it takes place in Detroit because she's like because she's like in one of those like areas of Detroit where like all the all the houses are just like gone. Bro, like we we went that we had a guy drop us off and uh, for the Super Bowl and uh, we all had to we all had to go to the bathroom. So we went to this liquor store to go to the bathroom. The guy charges five bucks to use the bathroom. What the and, fuck? And then he each. And what? then he, and then he he told <laughs> I asked him like, worse. I was like which way do I go? He's like well he's like listen he's like I give you some advice right? He's like don't go that way, don't go that way, and don't go that way. He's like just head towards Ford Field and uh, yeah you'll be all right. And if you went like when we got in the car and we drove down, uh, maybe like two blocks to the left it was just burnout high rises and like just people walking around all hours of the night like it was fucking weird uh it is a very depressing city at least you know that was a long time ago now but yeah but yeah like parts of the city still like today like like some of these like like neighborhoods which which i guess could be called like suburbs um and in the sense that it's like it's not like like in the city like the heart of the city itself Mm -hmm. like it's like fallout like yeah it's it's just like just like every house in the neighborhood is just like gone, like it's it's like a bomb went off. That that bomb was like the auto industry leaving. Yeah, the why the lions never winning a Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Just just the Fords just ruining that entire like city. No, <laughs> that's so bad. Um. So in in 2018, a uh, formal support of Angels Night was ended, um, as um. As the city uh, allocated its resources towards uh, uh, neighborhood Halloween parties, um, and uh, Devil's Night of 2018, uh, despite that, um, despite that taking away of resources, there were only a total of five structure fires and only four on the night before. Nice, nice. Um, we're getting and, back to normalcy. <laughs> and and Devil's Night 2021 saw the lowest number in multiple decades, with only three structure fires recorded. Wow. Um, but. But one thing that harder. has, but one thing that has changed, and I think it might not be related to people like actively, um, like burning down houses, is that uh, there there's been an increase in arsons around uh, the July Fourth holiday as as opposed to uh, Mischief Night. I think that might just be from people like setting off fireworks and you know burning down the like dilapidated home next to theirs. Yeah, oh, yeah, of course. Um, yeah, and I think. I think Devil's Night, though, it, it's one of those things that, like, doesn't really happen anymore. And even in terms of, like, like as as much as, like, the fear mongers and, like, the right talk about, like, like what goes on in, like, Halloween and what goes in the world around us. Like, we live in a remarkably safer and less violent world than we used to. Um, uh, probably largely due to the removing of, like, lead from gasoline. Because mm-hmm. um, if you think about it, like, within the time period where, like, Mischief Night is happening... In, in like the automobile capital of the world for a long period, like leaded gas was everywhere, mm-hmm. and the people who were exposed to like leaded gas 
Um, and, and this also happens too. like, like people who shoot a lot are also like, are, are, are similarly like violent, have like violent lead poisoning. Um, and it, and it's just sort of this, like people who are exposed to it become more violent. But as, as we sort of like remove those elements from our daily lives, cause lead used to be in everything, like, like it used to be impossible to escape it. Like literally, um, that, that yeah. now like, like people are generally less violent. Um, even when we do have like large, like city protests, um, it's not like the sixties where like half the city gets burned down. I just want to point out that I've, this has been my theory for years now, uh, but I always attributed to it to just why a general, uh, decline of crime over time. Um, it's, and I have always stuck by the idea that it is because of the fact that we got rid of lead out of everything. Yeah, it's uh, definitely, it's, it's definitely part of the equation and it's, it, it can it, be a big part of it. It's, on the it's, areas. Yeah, it's a number of things. Lead, um, uh, possibly also um, abortion, um, also plays into that because um, people are um, people like. Well, I, I guess we'll see how that goes in the future. But but because people, you know, they they didn't have to have like keep having children, um, so that also decreased like poverty rates. You don't have so many like children left behind. Yeah. Because people people have more of a choice with family planning, and it's also not just abortion too. It's like also like less of a stigma on like condoms, um, because because like after the sixties and seventies, it become more prevalent. You know, it's not like that Austin Powers joke about him like he refuses to wear condoms because he says they're like for sailors. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the complete opposite of the truth, but okay, sure thing, Austin. Because because like because um, like for instance, like Vietnam, like like one of the reasons like Vietnam has like like a high standard of living. Um, today is because like when the communists took over, they instituted like family planning and, and it wasn't like, like people like when they talk about like family planning in like communist countries, they, they talk about like China with like the one child policy, but what essentially meant was that they gave options to women where they were like, yeah, you here's, the, we have birth control and all these other things that you don't have to keep like having children, yeah. which, which most repressive, like right wing regimes, they want women to keep having children because they want an underclass of workers to exploit. And they also want the underclass of stupid people that will always vote for them. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so they generally want people to be like stretching all their resources so they can't focus on like what actually needs to be like dealt with that's impacting their lives. Yeah. Um. So that is sort of a a brief general history of trick or treating, and also the the once uh, prominent tradition of Devil's Night in uh, Detroit. I feel like Bro. it was never a big thing, like where I was, but it was always, like, it was always freaked out about. Like what? every year, they would freak out about the uh, mischief night. Mischief like it was going to happen. Was definitely a thing around my. Area. I mean, I, like, that's, Halloween like, had enough. That, so. Halloween had enough like crime going for it. We didn't need mischief night. I mean, I once got accosted by this douchebag that I went to high school with. I didn't know at the time, but he tried to like steal my candy when we mm-hmm. were there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I like whipped the bag around and smacked him in the back of the head with like a full <laughs> load of candy. <laughs> Felt pretty good about myself. So here's the thing: I won though, that like, fight. You, you kind of it, it perfectly said it though. Like there was enough violence going on on Halloween. See, yeah, dude. But everybody was okay. But see, now by that logic, everybody is like heightened on like increased alert. Like I said, we got turned down. It wasn't three dozen. It was like uh, uh, six eggs that I was trying to buy on Halloween, and the cashier said no. Nobody thinks about the night before, so you get away with everything. You try to fuck around and do something when all the cops are looking out, all the parents are looking out, like everybody's looking out yeah. for who's going to do the nonsense. Also, so, do you remember any Halloweens that were like, you know, hocus pocus? Like where like the whole neighborhood was going out? I feel like that's a Hollywood, like a white Hollywood ideal thing, you know? Like you do not live in my neighborhood now. There are hundreds of kids that trick or treat, and I'm yeah, not even I, exaggerating. I've been out of the suburbs for a really long time, um, you know. Even but even when I was still living in New Jersey, we were in the suburbs, and you just didn't see as much uh, stuff during Halloween. Well, my dad's a me big have golf carts, and they hook up trailers to their golf carts, like flatbeds, and they will and they'll like just you know go real slow, but they'll have like 15 kids on the trailer, and they'll wow. just kind of like what? run out. But what? when I tell you there are hundreds of people, like they come from the surrounding areas and That's come crazy. to our neighborhood. What? Retreat. Well, I think the thing too is that like you you didn't come from like a, a like a wealthier neighborhood, like the thing you described earlier, like that one like neighborhood you went to where they like the bounce house and stuff. Like yeah. I'm, I'm gonna guess that was a higher economic, oh, like yeah. like oh, area yeah. 
than, than where you currently live or even or also where you lived as a, a kid. And same for me. Damn, you're poor as fuck and you have not graduated in life. <laughs> it's not even about being poor, though. It's about, like, even if you're just middle class, there's no... Uh, that, you know, the neighborhood really wasn't like that. When I was younger, it was. There was more of that. But it was, you know, an hour and a half, maybe, and it was over, you know? Yeah, maybe. I'll give you that. Yeah, okay. But, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right, Steve. Down here, when we went, it was like a gated community. So, I mean, we're talking about, like, serious money, people handing out full loads of of... 10-inch Butterfingers, you know, it's just like, what the fuck is going on here? Do well, you guys own the Mars companies? <laughs> well, I'm sure it's also, like, an arms race between, uh, between the different, uh, like, like, households, like, like, yeah. try, like, just, just, like, keeping up with the Joneses on, like, full blast on, on Halloween. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The Joneses got full Snickers bars. Well, we have given two Snickers bars for every Musketeers. They're like, we need, we need king-sized. <laughs> <laughs> I put a bounce house in my front yard. Uh, we've injured six kids. <laughs> I bought the actual Crypt Keeper. <laughs> I bought the actual Crypt Keeper. Uh, <laughs> Oh my god. Anyway. I love it. All right. Speaking of uh, candy and stuff, I'm going to go get some sugar. <laughs> I'm going to go finish my uh, Chewy's burrito. Mmm. It's delicious. Trick or treat. Trick or treat, bitches. <laughs> On that note, Peace. have a happy and safe Halloween. Oh, Stay man. away from the rainbow fentanyl. Fuck my eggs. Stay away from the rainbow fentanyl. <laughs> hey, also, make sure you check your children's candy. Last year I found a Glock in my Twix. I don't know if that happened again this year. Okay. Later. Later. Later.